your commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Let's bring in Michael Goodwin, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist from the New York Post. And Michael, we have been talking first before we get to your great column. I got to get your take on the whole thing with Trump. What do you think is going on today? The fact that the grand jury suddenly didn't show, you know, they were told to stay home, basically. What are you hearing? Well, listen, I think there's one report out there on Fox uh, uh, Business, I think it is, that that there's some dissension, apparently, within the DA's office. Now, I have no idea whether that's true, but I hope it is. Um, I, I hope there are doubts and that people say, you know, what the heck are we doing here? What have we gotten ourselves into? Uh, I think for the DA's office, this is this is only a political win in the sense that Democrats uh, have this, I think, pornographic fantasy of seeing Donald Trump in handcuffs. And so there will be a certain segment of the population that doesn't care about the rule of law, doesn't care about the ultimate consequences of prosecuting an ex-president or the sense that it is done just for politics. They'll be happy with it. But I would hope that there are other people in the office and other people speaking to Alvin Bragg and saying, you know, you have to step outside this moment and you have to look at this from the big picture. I mean, this you are stretching you are stretching this case beyond the breaking point, and it looks like a political prosecution. And if you go down that road, you personally may be hailed and you'll get a lot of free drinks in bars, but you will forever be tainted by this idea that you weaponize your office for political purposes. I mean, is that something you want to unleash? Because once you take that genie out of the bottle, there's no, there's no right. promises. And, and Michael, what about when in. you lose? What about when he loses the case? He might get the indictment and still lose the case. That's true. That's true. You yeah, probably will lose the case. Donald Trump is not going to plead guilty. Hell I mean, it's, it's a circus. It is, and there's no way a jury's going to John Edwards him case, if it got to that. The John Edwards case, where it was actually... It was campaign money. It was a conspiracy between the campaign manager and a donor. They outright said it was to shut the woman up. I mean, they would convict him. That was a much stronger, the Edwards case was a much stronger case, and they lost they lost on that. Yeah, he's campaign money. And, and, and most money. prosecutors, when you talk to them, they will they will concede. I mean, it's they don't go to trial if they don't think they can win uh, or if they have considerable doubt. So they, what's his moment you know, of... They, of, of you know, of the uh, indictment get him. It gets him a renomination in Democratic primary for DA. Well, he's got that anyway. Maybe, maybe the well, Department well, of Justice will make him deputy, I mean, uh, deputy Justice. Uh, wow. It? Yeah. By the way, and that's what Governor Pataki said yesterday. Go ahead, Michael. Well, just that the, uh, you know, the pressure was on Alvin Bragg. Don't forget the history of the case. Cyrus Vance has it. He doesn't bring it ultimately to a grand jury. He leaves that to Bragg. Bragg drops it. Bragg gets criticized. There's a book written about it. Uh, Bragg is, you know, the, the, the Andrew Wiseman, that whole crowd, the get Trump crowd is, you know, all over Bragg, basically calling him a coward and everything. And so then he, he recalibrates and he goes and does the case. And I think that was as much of a motivation as the actual facts in the case. And now here 
theory is, uh, having followed the mob that way, he now comes to this crossroads where if he goes forward and look, getting a getting an indictment of Donald Trump in New York City is not exactly a heavy lift. I mean, as uh, the the great uh, line from Saul Walker many years ago, you know, a D.A. can get a a ham sandwich indicted uh, because there's no real. And that's not kosher in the grand jury. Michael, this so, is Pete King. I would hope that some Democrats, because to me, whether if this was Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren being treated this way, it's wrong. It's wrong no matter which side you're coming from to weaponize prosecutions, and it's so dangerous and deadly going forward. I mean, if, if they can weaponize this, they can uh, weaponize so many ordinary political and business transactions and make crimes out of them, it's going to scare good people far away from government. And for that matter, it's scare people away from business. Well, and you also scare good people from going into government. Justice Jackson said that if you weaponize the prosecution function against your political enemies, that's the beginning of destruction of democracy. Listen, I, I agree with both of what you just said, but here's, here's another view, which it, it, this is a view that scares me the most. We are living in a time where this notion that I think those of us of a certain age and experience have this sense that out there in this country, there is a sense of justice. There is an American ideal. There is a a common sense viewpoint, a strong middle that will hold and that will not be swayed and will not follow this crazy crowd. But a lot of events have happened in recent years that caused me to believe that that center is not there anymore, or if it is, it's smaller and weaker than it used to be. And so we get these incredible things. I mean, who could have imagined that the president of the United States would open the southern border, would allow in upwards of 5 million people without knowing who they are, by and large? Uh, Who could ever imagine such a thing? And on and on and on. And so we see these things, you know, the Democrats are, oh, we have to keep the norms. Well, all the norms have been shattered. A president was impeached twice. Uh, You just go on and on down the road of the things that have happened uh, in the Trump era. And you have to say, I'm not sure that the center holds. I don't see the center holding. I mean, again, look at the look at the laws in New York that coddle the criminal class, that that the things that are tolerated now, this how the shoplifting thing got so out of control. Who could have imagined that would happen in America or in New York? And yet here we are. But, but it did. Michael, it's Tony Carbonetti. I. I've lived here, as have you, long enough to remember when a woman had her purse stolen, she'd say, it's because I wasn't holding it tight enough. We had that mentality in the 70s and 80s where the victims would say, you know what, I I got mugged because I wasn't paying attention or I didn't put my chain under my shirt. Remember those days? Yeah, Yeah. no, nothing to steal here, right? No no radio and car. So it's happened. We broke out of that. And now we're heading back that way. That's a sad testament for New York, boy. Well, we 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 have made a U turn in that sense, and we are we are now increasingly tolerant of things that we should not tolerate. Exactly, Michael. It's it's Richard Weinberg again. You know, you wrote this great column, which I have to say made my eyes bleed, my head explode because you're so right. (laughs) 
And, and that's not a pretty sight. No, that's pretty awful. <laughs> you should see what's going on here in the studio. <laughs> but, Michael, the name of your column is The Heart of New York's Woes is Right in Government. Would you tell us about that, please? Well, it, it grows out of this uh, new publicity campaign called We Love NYC that some businesses are funding a $20 million publicity campaign, the, the uh, partnership for New York, the mayor, the governor, of course. And it's all well and good. I don't have a problem with trying to, you know, create a little momentum, get people back to visiting the city, get more workers back, give a sense of civic pride. I have no problem with any of that. Um, my problem is what is the source of the problem? And the problem, of course, uh, as I identify in the column, is government. It is the things we're talking about. It's not just that there are criminals. It's that the legislature has essentially made it almost impossible to keep criminals in jail. Um, it, it is the tax structure that is driving people away. <clears throat> I mentioned in the piece that I, I spent a few days in Florida last week, and I spoke, into, spoke, uh, spoke to one man, very wealthy man, uh, who uh, in, lived in New Jersey, where, of course, the tax problems are just as bad. And he said moving his residency to New Jersey uh, saved him so much money. In one year, he was able to take that money and buy a multi-million dollar house. Now, he's an extremely wealthy individual, but you can't have a tax structure that is so lopsided that somebody can move to another state, save millions of dollars instantaneously, and then spend the money in that state. I mean, that's what's happening in the Northeast. And remember, this struck me as a very interesting uh, memory. When uh, Andrew Cuomo was governor and Donald Trump and the Republicans passed the tax law uh, limiting the SALT, the state and local tax deduction, to $10,000 a year, how Cuomo and the blue state governors cried and screamed and moaned and said it was – Cuomo said it was a missile aimed at the blue states and everything like that. The message was cut your taxes, stupid. That's what you should do, and people will not feel this. Anyway, most people got a tax cut. But think of this now. The Democrats, for two years after Joe Biden's election, had the House and the Senate, and they did not reinstitute the SALT deduction. They did not lift that cap. Why is that? Because it only helped the high-income earners. And they never believed they would leave. That's right. And, and look at it. So now you're getting that, that New York is now less less advantaged, more disadvantaged because mm -hmm. of that tax. And yet the state doesn't cut its taxes. The Democrats didn't lift the cap. And so that whole structure could have worked to help the blue states if they had cut their taxes, but they can't. And I think it goes to the heart of where does the money go? It goes primarily to unions. And I think this is the ultimate corruption factor in the blue states, is that the unions have control of the budgets and therefore the taxing powers because they endorse the incumbents. I mean, I think it is the simplest example of why the blue states are Michael, out of whack. Michael, last question. The $5 million question. Mike Bloomberg gave $5 million to Governor Hochul to push her budget. Tell us about it. 
Well, yes, it's it's done through a pack. I mean, I you know, uh, ostensibly she has no connection, no knowledge, et cetera, blah, 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 if we believe that. But uh, it is, I, I think it's an interesting development because it, He's pushing the ads, which you'll see on television and online and mailers, I understand, are coming. Uh, It's pushing uh, her point of view on no new tax hikes for personal income taxes, uh, although she's pushing a business tax. Uh, No new tax hike in personal income. Uh, I don't think the ads mention charters, but that's a very big thing for Bloomberg, and, and Hochul is supporting that. And, of course, to tougher criminal justice laws. So he clearly recognizes, Bloomberg, that she needs help, that she's not a good fighter, that she's not going to get this done, and that the Democrats in the legislature are not going to give her any of those things. Yes, you're talking about uh, the far left, uh, the far sides of the equation, like your column. Michael Goodwin, we love you. Thank you, Michael. Great to have you here.